What's going on? I'm behind on music. This is this is like the week before, like this is the week of the Super Bowl going in of the releases. I have to do last week's releases. To, uh, I didn't catch up on those, so I want to catch up like now, whatever. Even though it, it, you know. This is Snack the Ripper. Born alone, uh, born alone, die alone. This is some of the single. This is Lotto Sunday Service. Sunday service. This is Little Peep and Gab 3 Hollywood Dreaming. Um, Glorilla, yeah, glow. This is uh, London Drugs and Jay Worthy and Domo Genesis, real originals. This is a designer, fuck it. This is Michael Christmas Flash Felash Felasia This is a Harry Mack It Goes Deep Choice, knocking all them sloppy demons off me just to 
oath, the Mac took the oath to leave no gaps in the practice and the rap that he wrote. Every chapter masterfully crafted, dog, it has to be dope. Cause dreams fasten the hope, schemes act as the rope. Sharp bars off the dome, throwing darts from the melon. If the art is compelling, then your heart will start swelling. Expanding with love, get high like cannabis, but. This is Tech 9. Bunch of people are on this. I, it's called roll, uh, roll Call. Grace Dom and Nathan Hate. I get impatient, man. When I hear an amazing break, so when invasion wakes, I play Draymond. Uh, still a fan in the winner. Microdose in the cinema. A winner feeling grand when I'm in a hill of fans in the sprinter. I go both grim and sinister. I mess with the rare ones. Uh, never rolling with the scare. Some crap to mess from the mayor. Done is really no comparison. My energy beware. Never clear bumps. My aura something like a flare. Got a boost. Leroy, I'm a true speed boy and a boost. Need Christ, don't let nobody touch me twice if they don't This is uh Chanel Lauren and Coda the Friend Carelessly Doomed This is a homeboy Sandman, real good. Skating on this lake, just for staying up this late. Look at me in dance class, cooking up a brand new shake. Math class, cooking up a brand new shape. Mo better than Saddam Hussein. Lab coat, cooking up a brand new strain. Bedside man, I like a bad boy. Right up to a ripe old age. I'ma get mine and shine on rain. Bob on a robber. This is a. This is like the. I mean, listen, I, it, it, I, I don't really like country too much, but, you know, I like Beyonce. I think Beyonce is talented, so she can make a fucking country song fucking sound good, but there's going to be a huge feud. I mean, I mean, white people stole rock and roll, and they're trying to steal hip-hop, you know. You might as well have black people try to steal country. This is Texas Hold'em. And this is a 16 carriages. This is uh, Jermaine Dupri with Nelly, Ashanti, and Juicy J. This little game we play. This is Bryson Tiller, whatever she wants. This is Waka Flocka forever. This is uh, Sleepy Hollow, Cupid's Guidance, Cupid's Guidance, Cupid. 
Stop it, I can't. Don't need no new. Nigga, stop calling me twin. She doing tricks in no hands. She shot a shot on the ground. I can't be fucked. They pause it? No shit. Fucking no fans. So the baddie hit me when she land. I think we should be friends. But you can't be gay, no man. Cause I'm trying to fuck you again. No cap. I'm trying to slut you again. Never thought about fucking your friends. But you know if I try, I can't. I mean, I'm not really, you know, co-signing the message. But, you know, it's pretty, you know. I had many scars. This is emotional oranges. Ready. I don't know if this is a group or it's like, you know, but I, I, I like them or her. This is Asher Roth. This is called Ash Roth. This is a Asian doll. Love me. This is Terrence Martin. Terrence Martin. Snooze. I don't know if this is from the uh, album or is it one song? This is so I like the the EP. Some of the EPs I like most. So like there's five songs or seven songs on here, but I like one, two, three, four of uh, Little Sim. No, f okay, one, two, three, four, six. There's seven songs. I like six of them here. This is this is Mood Swings by Little Sims. This is Forever. Fever, Fever, sorry. This is Torch. This is I'm feeling it. They 
gonna have to give me what I asked for when I need it, feeling it. I ain't cause the West room and sip my tea in it. I'm a diamond in the rock, rock. Even all that talking, can't you tell that it's enough? Think I helped it. Just far away. Novelist. There's three songs I like down here. Some of these are like not very long albums, so you know. So this is when you're around. I think there's ten songs on here. What's um what's that love like? Working hard, baby, what's the latest with you? Hey, what I'm saying to you. This is uh, so I like a couple of songs on Ryan Fest's album. My theory is that the world divides into These are still sh like you know, not like long albums or whatever, right? So it's like four songs like that. Oh wicked. Elder Be um, Elderberry. Here we go. Black man. A lot of people don't realize they think that we are God's responsibility. No, 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 no. no. But it's one no, no, in no, no. what thirty million of us. That's right. And God's only hope is us. That's true. No. If we don't make it, He ain't gonna make it either. Baby, what we did with Jesus was not was, you know, was not supposed to happen. We made him out. We made him out. I Surprise. I say, why should a writer be free to write what he wants? When, say, a teacher is not free to teach 
lot are a uh, person. A teacher who is not free to teach is not a teacher. If you're a writer, you're forced to look behind the word to the meaning of the word. You know? You can actually introduce bad words. Yes. Yes. You're responsible for what that word means. I agree. You know? You have to find a way to use that word to liberate the energy in that word. So it has a positive effect on the, on the, on the lives of people. There is such a thing as a living word. No tyrant in history was able to read. But every single one of them burned the books. Nightcast is pretty fucking good still, man. I know. I always liked how he, you know. I know he normally. I think he, he wrote for Kanye when. I think him and Consequence wrote for Kanye when, like, Kanye was, like, you know, considered at his best. This is a uh, Blue's new album. Royal Blue. There's, like, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, five songs on here. This is called L.A. Blue. They always come out with some good shit. The, ro- the Royal. This is the same OG. We're gonna take a trip right now. Making it look so simple. Uh, but know what I've been through. What's our central native? I made it out with a pencil. And no diploma for the California stone and just cold days. Getting paid on the corners. Swear to God, niggas got paid quarters. Now they can't afford us. We work more than fortunes. The newest portions. Enormous portions. Ain't no difference between rich and poor friends. Only This is uh, the, the priceless. This is the legendary. Like 
summer. Me and my cousin shared the blame. Marley was saving Jay and the Madaya means jelly beans. Stop jocking it. Niggas will see me rocking it. And next week they copping it. That's why I always do the opposite. Cock the grip, aim at the devil. Start popping it. Apocalypse reincarnated. Yo, I'm still getting a couple songs off of Rucker Dad's album. album. I like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. This is Neighborhood Grim Reaper. Fish do. Back in your head, you walk. And let you get between your 
Not all the songs. I don't know how many are in there. This is called No Love Lost. I like the way he flows or something, you know. This is probably my favorite song on the album. With him and Sway Lee. Oh, come on, man. What the hell? Song I liked on it was hit him and Money Bag Yell Turn. This is uh, pick what you pick what you want. Like 
Uh, then there's a, a collective album by uh, by you know TM88, um, and like you know what I mean, like those guys like Rich Brian and Warren Hugh and all that, you know, and then guys like Bad Bad, people like Bad Bad Not Good and Smino are part of like kind of not part of it, but but it's a compilation. This one's called, and it, and it has like weird, weird like like you know like. It's like, you know how when people make fucking images out of fucking, like, some of the stuff on the keyboards? Like, uh, uh, apostrophe and all that. It's like, kind of, like, something like that. You gotta, you know. So, Buster Rhymes and Smino. Called Thanksgiving. This one has Bad Bad Not Good, West Side Gun, Cute, and I think, uh, and Conway the Machine called Chocolate Mint. Thank you. This one has um Warren Hughes and pause um pause the news from De La Soul and the Boodoo's band. This is a good song. Some of these guys are Asian. I, I, I know PM88 is not an Asian guy, but like Rich Brian and Warren Hill are Asian. It's called Long in the Tooth. This one has Dan the Automator and um, Del, Del the Funky Hope Sapien. is a uh, leap in time I don't know if I recognize any of these people Fum V, v for it and Masai Y I like this one made in T made in TYO I like three songs off this this is called real one This is Tuck on Faith. I'm begging you. I 
I wasn't looking forward to like listening to Usher's album because some people online were saying it wasn't that good. But I actually like most of the fucking songs on it, man. I, I thought it was decent, man. This one is uh, the Summer Walker 21 Savage. It's called Good Good. Sample Uptown Girl. Too much of that, you know. They even try to get discourse out of him and Alicia Keys. You know what I mean? I guess they took they took his gimmick to the next. This is keep keep on dancing. Good album. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how the the viewers here feel about this. I don't know how many viewers I have. Freak, cold as before decay. 
advertisement for McDonald's basically. Whenever you mention randomly, you know what I mean? Eminem used to do this shit too. But I mean, every artist does it, you know what I mean? You promote. Just, I'm, I'm the party. Good, man. I don't know, man. I, I've been enjoying this album. I should have always saw. I don't know, man. I should have been always talking solid, man. I don't know. This is the luckiest, man. John John Cook song next to you, but it's Usher it's Usher remix. And DJ Muggs um did a score for some movie. I forget what it's called. But they there's like it's like mostly just instrumentals, but there's a couple of songs that have you know some rapping on it. But this one's we ain't playing with Jay Worthy, Two Eleven, TF, and Devin the Dude. The song itself is pretty old, but I guess they just put on this album, whatever. And that's the songs from the week before, I guess, man. You know? So I'll come back with some discords, hopefully. And I just want to get this out of the way, you know. Now it's February 23rd. I'm, I'm way behind. I didn't get to write down any of the Discord stuff. So I had to do quick recaps for, you know, because Chamber is going to be starting at 5 in the morning. So I'm trying to, like, I'm going to do an all-nighter, basically. And also, post-wrestling isn't on tonight. Normally, what to call, I, I, I listen to that live to call in and interact with those guys. Because one, one time a week, I can interact with those guys. And I like talking to those guys sometimes, right? 
but you know, now I don't really have that pressure, so I can kind of just finish off my podcast. But, It's 9.03 p.m., so, like, a lot of my recaps are going to be kind of... Well, I kind of know what happened on SmackDown because it recorded last week or whatever, right? But... So I got Ross, NXT, Impact. You know. Since I'll, you know, so, so since I'm in a hurry, I'm going to go to the... Re- even the Dynamite quick as possible. It's my fault for procrastinating so much. So Drew and Cody had a really good match. Cody could afford a loss since the bloodline interfered, right? I think it's more important. I mean, because Cody doesn't lose too often, so it was okay to do this. I just don't know where it's going to go with Drew, whatever. Drew didn't, uh, Drew didn't seem to like it, but he took the chance to win. Which now kind of makes him look like a hypocrite, but he claimed he would have attacked them on site, but this is for the championship and the bigger picture. But, I mean, beating Cody's not getting you a championship, so I don't know, man. It feels to me, as much as he talked about all this shit, you know, he didn't have, you know, he, he didn't have this much vitriol. He didn't have as much vitriol for them, which was, like, the cause of all this, as he had for some of the baby faces. Especially Jey Uso. Uh, so Cody was being checked on because he seemed injured. Also, the interference adds what could happen at Mania. And Seth showed up. Didn't say anything, really. It was kind of just there to basically show Cody, you kind of need my help, basically, right? Uh, we saw the bloodline again in the main... Or at least Jimmy in the main again for Jay versus Gunther. We had a good video package to set it up. Jay cut a promo to hype up the match. Gunther cut one as well. So he'll show why Jay doesn't belong in the main event. This match was one of the better defenses Gunther has had. You should probably go out of your way and check it out. I feel guilty not recapping the full match, but even this podcast, even for this podcast, Dynamite is going to get this kind of treatment too this week. You know what I mean? It's, again, it's my fault. You know, but before Jay could win from the splash, Jimmy rang the bell from the crowd area, and then the security is taking him away. And Pierce, um, Pierce did mention it during the Cody segment that he was getting rid of the bloodline, but clearly Jimmy snuck back in. I guess the match continued. And Jay did tope out to Jimmy and the security. And when he jumped for another splash, Gunther got his knees up and then uh, a cradle for the win, basically. I mean, I like how Gunther, uh, I mean, this is going to set up their mania program, right? Because now they, they got, because again, it's, it's been like, you know, it hasn't been, the Jim, Jimmy hasn't really, like, you know, he's been a little bit more tolerable. But, like, now they're going to have to really, like, you know, if they're going to this feud again, they're really going to have to, like, explain the motivation for why Jimmy is back f- fully with the bloodline again and all that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I always figured that maybe he was, like, it was his plan to help kind of take it down as well because I do think he'll eventually leave. Before, you know, I don't know. Um, You know, anyways, uh. 
I like how Gunther this deep into his reign when he looks like he's been beaten. He's got, he's get, he has to get desperate and look like he just barely made it out because most of his defenses have been dominant. Um, by the way, New Day cut a serious promo with them facing Imperium in a street fight for the next episode. It was one of the better promos these guys have cut. I'm not saying they can't do like a comedy shit, but since this feud has become personal, right, and they try to take end their careers, of course New Day should be pissed off about it. You know what I mean? But this shit was uh really good about um, you know about um it was really good. It was about how New Day are the are the, are the team that people were trying to try to start shit with. As a, to step up to step up uh, in the tag division because they're like been the industry standard, and I really hope we're getting um we we're going for another like you know, a second act of New Day to get pro like, you know to get another prominent fucking push again you know. I I really want them back into relevance again in storyline other than just being random feuds because when they're allowed to be compelling man they really do kill it. But I, I'm curious to see how this Jay and Jimmy thing is going to fucking play out. Obviously, it might... Unless they do something backstage for SmackDown. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, you're going to find out what the motivation... I mean, for why Jimmy is doing it, I guess. You know, I guess, like, he's going to keep ruining Jay's uh, momentum, I guess. You know what I mean? But they need to really explain, like... And, and like, now it needs to... Because, again, man, I, I what really fucked me, fucked me over with this Jay, and, Jay Uso shit... Was that like I thought like SummerSlam that performance like I I don't mind Reigns's uh, slow methodical matches because time to time you'll have a really really dope one that makes it uh like really really stand out and you go okay this is one of the better and I felt the Jay Uso and Roman Reigns match should have uh, been something that was balls to the wall basically like like rapid fucking pace basically you know what I mean it should have been one of the, those heated things he did the same same slow methodical shit and then they did the same fucking lame ending for it you know what I mean like I I don't mind that Jay got Jay got screwed over but like I was, I was hoping for like you know a debut of some of of somebody else that was gonna be part of the bloodline, you know what I mean? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Um So yeah, so so, so it was a good main event. Um you see another Andrade promo about his destiny in the last in the last Mexican talent that, you know, talked about that, you know, his trajectory didn't go too well, but you know, I'm talking about Del Rio. Um, he goes over his wrestling at a young age and how his wife is also a wrestler and it's in his blood and all that kind of stuff. They're decent, but I would hope since since they're saying he wants gold, I, I mean, I know he's not going to go for the world title anytime soon, but he could be going for Gunther maybe. But I also think we could get Gable at Mania because they're trying to heat him back up again because, uh, you know... Because, you know, he did cut a promo about no crews being allowed in the match with Ivar, and Ivar to cut his promo about the gods. But the match was really good, and Gable won. I do hope he gets to finish his story, but since WWE does do random booking, I can see maybe Gable and Andrade for a triple threat with Gunther at Mania if they want to protect Gunther, but I would prefer him lose in a one-on-one match. But, I mean, who knows if it'll be at Mania, though. I think if you're going to have Gunther drop the title, I would choose Mania for him to do that because it would be on a bigger fucking stage that he lost on. Unless they want him to win another big match at Mania and then you drop it after Mania. I don't know. He could be elevated to being world... I, I think he should be elevated to world talent contender right after... You know, ap- during... Like, after Mania, basically. Uh, Raquel returned uh, returned for a battle royal to determine the last uh, spot um, for the chamber and she won. 
Chelsea fake being out of the match into the trope, you know, but Raquel still threw out. Uh, Valhalla d- d- eliminated Maxine. <clears throat> Raquel eliminated Valhalla. Uh, and uh, Zaya and Isla, basically. Natty eliminated Tegan. So they're carrying that, you know, again, the you know, more fucking elimination shit. Lopez eliminated Zelina. Um, and Michin eliminated Lopez and, uh, Zelina and, uh, and, um, and Zelina and Lopez started f- fighting more, basically. Chelsea eliminated Candace, Shayna's eliminated Indy and Katana, Raquel eliminated Alba, Ivy eliminated Natty, Shayna and Zoe eliminated Ivy, Michin, uh, uh, Ivy and Michin. Raquel eliminated Shayna and Zoe and then Chelsea after. It, it was a good return for her. And then, and then, uh... We got the woman from the chamber to have a promo, but first Nia and Rhea had a segment for the sit down with split screen kind of. It went and Rhea goes over having to grind on the indie scene. Last time she was in Australia, when she was last there, right, and she puts over now going there as a world champion. And when she got to WWE, she was not comfortable in her own skin. Nia, uh, you know, basically says that you know that uh, she sarcastically says that's cute. She's twice uh, Rhea Ripley's size and has triple her talent. She's happy this is happening in her homeland when uh when she squashes uh you know Rhea again she goes she'll go home crying to, her, to she go mommy will be going uh, will go crying home to her mommy basically you know and then Rhea says uh, uh, Nia can, uh, uh Nia can talk all she wants and attack her from behind all she wants when she's face to face with her in Perth Australia listen to everyone screaming for her you know she'll crumble and uh, Naya, Naya's nightmares will become reality when she realizes she's just not good enough. And then Rhea leaves, and then, you know, Naya's just kind of staring a hole through the fucking camera. I can't say this title reign has been, like, super dope considering the feuds Rhea has had. But I've never seen someone's reign feel a bit cold, but their entire character is at its best. You know what I mean? But it's, it's a more detriment on how they book the women. And I, like I keep saying, the uh, the strongest thing about Rhea, Rhea's character is that... She has not been involved a lot with the women. I mean, more so the last couple of months now, now that they're trying to heat it up now. But, like, for the majority of her reign, like, you know. I don't know. This is probably her first feud of her reign that I feel has some, like, you know, good heat for it. It has been built up pretty well. I'm not saying it's a game changer, but I think Naya has done a good job in this role, basically. She did, Nia did show up to beat up all the chamber competitors when they had their promos. So Becky is in the ring first. She's gone to do some amazing things. They're not, there aren't all a lot of new things for her anymore, except for the hat she has on. You know, she always has to put some, as I, I get, she tries to like, like make her promos entertaining, but sometimes you can just, I don't know, you know what I mean? But she's just having fun, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to fucking shit on her for it, but you know what I mean? But she's talking about her, her hat being new. She, and she basically asked, do you like the hat? So the hat stays, basically. And then in five days, for the first time in her career, she'll step foot inside the elimination chamber. Rhea and her have been dancing around each other, having uncomfortable um, long stare-downs, all prolonging the inevitable. Mommy and the man will collide. And when they do, it will be a fight for their lives. They both live for this. They love this. But now they've been uh, uh, living... They've been, uh, you know, living, they've been living different, you know what I mean? And Rhea has been um, front and center for the last year. 
but she has popped up um by her um she's popped up by her band of Mer- merry men and there and th- and then there's Becky basically Becky is the biggest threat to her title hiding in plain sight fighting and, and any and every uh everyone who wants to go um who wants to go um you know who wants to go at, at you know I don't know what I'm trying to fucking say I messed this whole thing up she can confidently say that at this moment she's the best and she's ever been on the flip side, so is everybody else. So in five days, she'll be in the chamber with five of the most promising stars. She's been in most of them, but never inside the uh, confines of a you know cage, you know built with steel and glass. She worked too hard. And then <clears throat> Liv Morgan then interrupts. She wanted to say that she she's a big fan of the hat. You know I don't know why there's a promotion for this fucking hat. What she's not a fan of is having to sit in the back and listen to Becky claim her shot at Mania. She wants to prove that she's the best. How how uh, very Becky of her. Liv doesn't care who the best is. This is about her revenge, her redemption, her life. She's got a little story. Rhea was um um Rhea and her were great, uh were a great tag team. Rhea turned on her. She found success with Raquel until Rhea came out, interfered, and then uh. And then, uh, and yeah, until Rhea, Rhea came out, interfered, and cost him the titles. One week later, Rhea came out and cost Liv six months of her career while she was uh, at her best. So while Becky has a face to face, she wants to remind her that she's the last person to defeat Rhea. If any, um, you know, if any, um, uh, if any, uh, no, sorry, if after hearing, sorry, I got, I'm like, you know, trying to fuck, I, I got, I, I can't do fucking reading the promo shit anymore, man. I just. I write this when I'm, like, not interested in, like, you know, I'm trying to get it done for the sake of getting it done. And then I'm not, like, really putting the most effort into it because I want to get to the discourse. But I'm in a hurry to, like, you know, before I do the chick. I do put effort into the to the pay-per-view stuff, right? I just kind of go over some of it. Sometimes I, I have different sites sometimes help me out sometimes. You know what I mean? Sometimes, I, you know, I kind of, uh, like, take excerpts from them a little bit, whatever. And some, you know, just, for something I can't remember, basically. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, if after hearing all this, and then, uh, and then Raquel Rodriguez basically interrupts that and says they both make great points, but they're focusing on Rhea. After Chamber, it could be Nia Jax. One thing for sure, there's only one woman big big and strong enough to take on either one of them, basically. And then Naomi comes out next. She didn't come back just to come back. She came back with a whole new purpose. She's made a name for herself and out of the in and out of the ring. So it's way bigger than this for her. And she belongs at the top. You know, this is a good, this is a good, decent promo. I liked her. You know what I mean? Uh, and then Tiffany interrupts. Uh, she interrupts and goes, "Well, Naomi, without trying to make another name for herself, she left an empty space." And the only space she's concerned about is being the center of the universe. Besides, nobody cares about the past. And she goes, looking at all, looking at all of them, that's all she sees. Been there, done that, the future is her. And Bianca is next. She is, tells Tiffany she's unaware of, of what's running in her, um, running her mouth might get her, basically. She has been at the top for a very long time. And at Limited Chamber, she'll find that Tiffany will never be like her or better than her. There's one thing that she's done that none of them have ever done. That's win the chamber match. This year at Mania, she'll continue her you know her winning streak. Respectfully, um, if she has to, she'll pin all of them to get to Mania. And then Tiffany tells Bianca that she sold last year. No, like literally, she peaked last year. 
And then Liv tries to say some shit, you know, uh, and then uh, Tiffany attacks her. Eventually, they all brawl. I feel like Tiffany, um, out of everyone that delivered, I felt like, um, like, you know, Tiffany delivered. But I felt like Liv, who, who had good substance and a good amount of time, should have had more vitriol. It wasn't bad, but I think Tiffany did the best job in the segment. I, I'm, I'm glad Naomi got time to talk as well about coming back. She sounded good for the time that she got. Because she's been a little bit empty since coming back to, you know, from the past, you know, to, you know, past, like, month or so. But I'm not shitting on, like, Liv's promo because Liv was, like, the only one that kind of brought up. Because, again, I was under the impression that no one really kind of harped on it because by the time it was done, I kind of forgot, like, you know. But it feels like with Becky starting out, it just feels like a foregone conclusion that she is winning, and I would have uh, had other women talk about how insulting it was for them to ha- do all that, considering them ha- to, um, to you know, considering that they have a chance. But I guess in some way, Lib did kind of bring that up. But I thought all of them should have been more kind of like insulted by that. You know what I mean? Because I mean, in, in kayfabe, it, like I understand in real life, that's where the match is fucking going. Unless they're going to do another, unless they're going to inject it, because since WWE likes to inject stuff like that, I bet you because they, they're bringing up uh, Becky and Ronda Rousey never having the singles match and how it didn't need to be a triple threat, I'm going to bet now they're going to do a triple threat for Mania to get people fucking all pissed off about the booking. Because that's what, you know, the discourse is. It, again, I don't want that to happen. I prefer if it just Becky and Rhea, by the way. That's the way it should be, but I also realize, you know, Rock, like, you know, Nia Jax is, like, you know, notorious online, her whole character online, um, people used to, before becoming an anti-vax knight, uh, you know, she, she was, oh, the Rock's chosen favorite cousin and all that kind of stuff, Rock's cousin, the Rock favors, uh, the Rock gives her gifts and all that kind of shit, she's put in that position, right, so I wouldn't be, sh- and since Becky did mention the Rock, you know, in the last episode, I uh, you know I mean, maybe the Rock pulls some strings and puts Nia in the fucking match maybe. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to it though. But it feels like with Becky starting there, you know, it's, a, it's just a foregone conclusion, you know. But this segment was still decent. Uh, they did another true segment with Jackie Redman, but I think like the the the, the live last love segment was where this true stuff peaked in my personal opinion. It's like a Dateline type of segment. Putting over me in the group, True says when he first met them, their smiles at the room. It was special, like the first time John Cena tried uh, tried on jean shorts. And then Jackie asks how much uh, of this R Truth uh, blames on Damian Priest, and Truth says uh, Priest broke his heart. He hasn't cried like this since the finale of This Is Us. And Jackie asks if he can ever let anyone in again after um, going through all this. And Truth says he has new friends. The heartbreak hit Shawn Michaels, uh, Triple H. And, uh, you know, and then he'll, sh- he'll show that you can't keep Nick Mysterio locked away with no internet access. I mean, it was a funny segment, but I just, I don't know, man. It just, it was not as good as the previous one. I, st- I still don't know what the end goal is for all this. Like, I, I, the, okay, what, what I should say is the end goal could be something good. But what my end goal is, and again, again, because I'm not like, you know, popular within the wrestling community. I mean, people will check my fucking podcast out behind the scenes. They don't, you know, they might take a few of my fucking thoughts. But, like, I'm all, listen, if we're giving people late runs, because, again, getting, like, late runs in your career, like, one last, like, little, like, legit fucking shot. 
I feel like if R Truth had already, um, you know, endeared himself in the storyline, I would have him kind of play it like he's been fucking the genius and all this. Like he plays the can. He's been controlling the timeline. I the, the timeline. It's all been with you know. I mean, he's been, he's been snooping around. He you can bring it back to him and uh, like there's different things that he's done where I can tie it in. Remember when him and um when when him and uh, Carmelo won the mixed match ta- uh, challenge and they're supposed to go for vacation to anywhere that they could go, and he chose the WWE like uh like he chose like the WWE building essentially is where they go for their vacation. He could have been taking secrets. Documents, you know, I'm just saying, you know, what I mean, I know they're not gonna fucking do it because it's me, it's me advocating for this, but you know, I don't know, man. I just, you know, that's that's where I, I, I envision, and sometimes when I envision something great, you know, I kind of go, okay, you know, uh, I mean, it is what it is, man. Uh, anyways. But a Judgment Day beat Miz, Truth, and DIY in a long match. Truth was the one who got beat up and uh, took a pin while the rest of his team are outside outside to beat him up. No, I mean, while they're outside beat up. You know what I mean? Sorry, not beating him up. They're outside, you know, all beat up. Uh, it wasn't much, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't um, any like, much storyline going on. There. But it was a good match, though. They had Michael Chandler for the UFC challenge, Conor McGregor in the crowd. So this is where you'll see more of this shit on WWE. And we'll pretend WWE won't go down the route in their program of the regressive shit. Even though, like, they help control some of the regressive shit, in my personal opinion. I don't know how regressive Michael Chandler is, but Conor McGregor is a bona fide piece of shit. I mean, but this went viral, I guess, and it did get a good reaction, but whatever. Sammy had a promo where he doesn't know where his path is. But he will, he will be champion. You know, again, I know by the rules that they're going by on the surface, Cody's going to be in the main event. But I do think something happens where the main event changes officially again. Unless Sammy is going to go for the IC title. But him and Nakamura seem, seem like they're feuding because Nakamura's still addressing him. So he wants to be a contender and wants the spotlight. He'll give him one. If he thinks he's an underdog, Nakamura will make sure he stays that way. So I think we're supposed to assume this will be the path. I mean, we we still didn't get like you know the conclusion of Sammy and Drew, so that could be a, a mania feud somehow since he's addressed that. But I still think there's a change in direction since that was that was runs the discourse now. You know what I mean? I'll be back in one second. Okay, so <clears throat> NXT Oba beat Lexus in a decent match. Stone got involved to some extent, but Lexus shoves him, and then when he went back in, Oba won. It wasn't really, it was like a four-minute match, you know. Uh, Thea and JC had a, um, a segment with, a, 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 um, not Adriana, Ariana. I put Adriana here. <laughs> you know, but Thea says, um, Riley hasn't answered him yet, answered her yet. And she asked what happened on the Valentine's Day, and Thea says she told him not to, um, she told him not to open the car, car for her. She stayed on her phone most of the time because it was to look unavailable. And JC Jane says that that was not what she basically meant, whatever, you know what I mean? And uh, Adriana, um, Adri- I kept putting Adriana here for some reason. Ariana Grace walks up, you know, and she uh, has been on uh, many dates that uh, Thea may, um, and that Thea may have, uh, you know, uh, scared, scared him away. 
and she welcomes the she welcomes she says welcome uh welcome the door being open and reciprocate attention. She doesn't think it's lost it's a lost cause. And then JC Jane says she you know she can't do everything for Thea. And Ariana says, uh, you know, and this is your best friend, so they basically, you know, keep fighting and talking, you know, not like not physically fighting, but at least to a match and you know, JC Jane beat her. It was like a pretty decent match, you know what I mean? I still think that JC is obviously up to something no good, but I, you know, I, I, but I, I, I do like this uh, Ariana character, you know what I mean? Um, you know, she doesn't need to be pushed right to the moon right away, but she gets, but, but, because, you know, you, you can wait till she gets better in the ring. But the character is so fucking good, she'll always kind of have heat to the character. If she can keep kind of, like, she's good at pushing, like, the typical, like, pageant, like, you know, like, how a pageant woman would be in, 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 like, you know, her, her real life, essentially. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's very good, man, you know. And plus, it pays homage to, you know, her dad, who was at Santina, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a pageant queen too, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's pretty fucking good shit. Um, Chase U interrupted the Wolf Dog segment after winning their titles, right? And so did Axiom and Nathan. So Braun goes over not thinking they would be tag champs back at, you know, when they were fighting each other at No Mercy. And Corbin just says that he beat Braun at No Mercy you know, Braun says that he carries a team, and then the Baron's, uh, like, and Baron says, you know, he uh, set brought um, Braun up pretty nicely with in the tag title match, with the end of days, and Braun says uh, Corbin set him up. Um. Uh, he goes, he goes. Corbin set him up with that, with that move, and then he basically got him with the spear, so he basically suggests the, their tag team move name called Spear of Days. Like, like, dude, come on, man. And then, but Baron Corbin loves it for some reason. He says there are the um, he says there are a couple of uh, you know, there are a couple of a holes. Yeah, he goes. He goes. Yeah, there are a couple of assholes in the middle of the ring. You know, with uh, you know, new hardware. And they're good at be, being the tag team champion. And that's when Chase U interrupts. And Chase says, Braun and uh, um, Corbin might uh, not uh, care who their next challenger are, but they do. Um, Chase uh, says, winning those titles weren't easy for uh, Braun and Corbin, but Chase U is back and it's their time to shine. And Braun says, they can uh, you take their calendars and school spirit and shove it up their asses. And, uh, you know, Chase isn't fucking, you know, he's not really happy about this shit, right? But, uh, he was promised, uh, you know, he was promised, uh, you know, he said they were promised a, you know, a, a tag match with the former champions. And he said it's a teachable moment here. You know, um... But yeah, but all, throughout all this, Duke isn't really happy about what's going on as well. You know what I mean? Like, he's not really saying much. But by the way, he was the he was the one that said winning the tag titles weren't easy for, you know, Baron and uh, thing, whatever. I, 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 can't, I can't put Chase here for some odd reason. But I, I remember it now it was Duke that said that, you know what I mean? He says they were promised a, a match by their former champions, and then Duke says they're going to get the match... And then Nathan uh, comes out with Axiom, and he says it's null and void. They got the closest to beating Braun and uh, and Braun and Corbin in the Dusty Classic. Uh, 
Said the, the and those guys ju- jumped him and they're ready for a payback. And then he calls him you pieces of shit. And but before he can say shit, Axiom cuts him off. And Duke says they need to get back in the line because they're going to um, plant the Chase U flight where it belongs. And Corbin says, uh, this sounds like a you guys problem and they have places to be. So take the problem and tell someone who cares. And Ava Reigns comes out and she basically, you know, says, you know, she basically sets up uh, a, a match between Chase U versus Nathan and Axiom. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, and I thought it was going to happen like the week, like the next week, but it happened on this episode. I totally forgot about the spoil. I guess I read the spoils and I forget that it happened, you know. I assumed that Nathan and Axiom would win, actually, because they feel like more of a serious team that would really gel well with the, cause I did like, I did like their match with, um, you know, with, uh, um, with Corbin and, uh, and, and Braun in, in a Dusty Classic. I thought it was like one of the better matches in that tournament. I mean, and also since Chase U got a title reign, but they actually, you know, and, you know, like they, they already got a title reign, you know what I mean? Even though it was a short one, but they actually won the match. I was surprised. Then the OC showed up and attacked all the, all the teams, those teams afterwards. They cut a brief promo of being back. I, I'm glad they might get a good push on this brand, but I totally forgot they were actually on NXT prior. Like, I know they weren't during the... the, the I don't know if they were back during the... I don't know if they're... Like, did they come back during this new era of, with AJ Styles, maybe? I, 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 I don't recall it. I'm going to guess they were the ones to take the titles off Baron and Braun, maybe, unless they unless you want Chase U to win, and then they, they lose it to, um, you know, OC. Gallows mentioned not being a good student, and Carl said he liked the calendars, though, so I guess we'll get a bunch of horny on main shit from Carl on this, since HBK is, like, booking that shit, too. Uh, later on, I feel um, I feel like Thea is gonna piss off JC Jane because she's having a moment with Fallon, and it feels like there'll be like a genuine friendship there over what JC and Thea's friendship is. So like Briggs did beat Jensen, and it was a it was a pretty good like brawling match kind of in a way. After um, you know uh, Briggs told Jensen he loves them, whatever. It's like it's like a tough love situation. Like he was like knocked out basically, but like you know, I think it'll be like now it's officially they're gonna go their separate ways, and we'll see how it affects Jensen and what like what fi- like what uh, fires lit underneath them, underneath them basically, and what his role will, uh, is gonna be. But it feels like Briggs is ready for a like a, a single spot to do something dope, I guess. Like I have a big feud, I guess. Fallon was not happy about her, her guys fighting and said that her um. She said her boy's fine. She can't find her footing. And Thea said that Chase U may have won the tag title shot. But uh, and, 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 but, and but they got laid out by the OC. And then everything went bad on her date. And Fallon says Valentine's Day strikes again. She could erase Valentine's Day from her memory. She could. And then they basically kind of start talking about the Canada James and uh, Jensen Brooks like, um, like thing from last year, basically. I like the callbacks and the booking elements of it. I might not have been a fan of the storyline, but there are elements that I kind of like. It's kind of like they have like an early to like you know early to mid nineties where it was not the best years for WWE, but there was booking elements that they did that made it more interesting than the booking elements in the eighties to me. Lyra and Tatum had a segment, you know, uh, Lyra basically, uh, wants to know how, you know, um, you know, how she's doing, Tatum says, uh, she's only been able to eat soup, and she's great, and she's happy Lyra came to her aid, and then Lyra wants one thing, you know, to promise her, and Tatum, um, 
you know, um, and she has a special surprise if she does, basically, if Tatum does it, and Tatum says that, uh, she can go after Shotzi, but Lyra says that the one thing she needs for her to do is stay in the back, and Tatum isn't happy about it, but she agrees, so, uh, you know, and then Tatum says it would be the hardest thing she's had or ever had to do, basically, I thought, I thought she would get involved, but, but she actually did stay in the back, I'll cover Roxy's stuff too since it played into the main event storyline. Roxy says Ren reminds her of herself when she got there, happy to be there. But after time, she'll learn that being happy to be here doesn't cut it. You'll get passed over for others, including main roster stars coming down for title shots. She says she hopes Shotzi and Lyra watch her match because she'll be watching theirs. Roxy basically beat Ren in a in a in a short match. This would you know play into the main event. I wonder if if Ren ends up going heel with her, then maybe because maybe she'll maybe she'll if Roxy does fully go heel, maybe she'll take Ren under her you know under 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 her under her thing, like under her under her palm basically, and then you have Lyra having Tatum basically you know. But Lash did beat Kalani in a, in a decent match. They, they booked Lash for to her strengths. She can just chokeslam people. It makes her look fucking effective. So I, I like that. So they did show the Shotzi Lyra match and had the injury play out. And people think, oh, well, what, what, what a wild coincidence since this Rocky, um, Roxy stuff is playing into it. That, that she was never, like, that she was in the shower during the injury. And when she got out, Lash Legend did the open challenge spot. So she completely missed her spot. And it just makes me think that these injuries, like to me at least, are systemic. So they give, you know. WWE credit or AEW credit to be able to pivot, but to me they're more concerned in the booking it um, that way since injuries are always part of the game, just like how it was on Dynamite with them playing the replay over and Madison Rain getting dumped on her head. I know people scoff when I say shit like that, but you know, an industry that has so much shitty exploitative shit take place, I'm tired of giving the benefit of the doubt to these companies, and I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna do it anymore. You know, I, I know more people will, you know, they have to, but you know. If if you want to because you want to play it on your head that the fandom you're a part of is not part of some problematic industry institution, then then that's on you. But I'm tired of fucking pretending that it isn't. But anyways, Rocky was pissed off. Rocky was pissed off about about it, and you know Lyra did beat Lash. It was okay match, but you know it was a good way to get Roxy all pissed off and make her character you know go further into this like you know. Like, you know, because, again, because, like, now she's complaining, but she missed out. And it wasn't like, you know, again, like, it was just like, you know, a bad coincidence she missed out. Uh, Metaphor had a segment with the no-catch quarter crew. Um, And basically, no, uh, the the guys won't tell them until the match happens who they're going to be facing. But since Charlie Dempsey was the one who was talking the most with Noam in this, I would imagine he's the one that's going to face him. And I really hope for this group's sake they win a f- they win it. They at least win something, you know what I mean? I don't know. Dijak was having a segment where he was basically torturing G- Gacy in like one of those cinematic segments kind of. And then the Luca the Luca the the lawyer dude shows up and tells Dijak this is illegal what he's doing. I mean, yeah, they should explain with that within the sports entertainment people can do what they want because the law doesn't apply to them. But Lucas says the world doesn't work the way that Dijak says it does, basically. Dijak just tells him to fucking piss off. Yo, I'll admit that Dijak has made me give more of a shit about this Gacy character. Maybe this feud was a trick, I guess. You know, I think I, I think he may have found his footing with this uh, with this, uh, with this character about wanting the pain and not, and not giving a shit. You know what I mean? It's, 
mellow. I, you know, it's, it's like it's like it's like what the what what the fundamentals are gonna do to me basically when they're fucking torturing me. So anyways, Mello's in a barber shop, and he this is like a promo vignette kind of, and he goes, this is where Trick Mellow gang began. He says there's good memories and great memories, but he's here alone. He's He, he ain't lonely. He isn't lonely, though. And he says, let's talk about it. Here, here, um, here, he, he's here with his pride, knowing his principles stay intact, and he didn't have to snake his boy out out of his spot. He didn't get too big for his boots. He says he wanted Trick to get the, his feeling of being a top guy and lift him up, but this is how he repays him by trying to be NXT number one guy. He could have been number five, number three, or Mello would have even let him be number two, but no one's above Mello. He says he let Trick have his run into a museum, and he says... Uh, the sign that Trick would try to, the sign that Trick would try to overtake him. He knew that Trick was the biggest competition and had to get him before he got mellow. And he said, "Whatever Trick's at, stay there because his fifteen minutes are up." And then, as for Ilya Dragunov, if he wants to to see him, um, then get in line. If they're not talking about the NXT Championship, then they have nothing else to talk about. I do like Melo's logic, even if I don't agree with him, right? In the history of wrestling, I would love for more competitors to question if their partner would turn on them because that's happened multiple times for the greatest duos, right? And then Melo being insecure with you know, some not being the top guy for a minute and his friend becoming the guy. Like, you could argue that Trick... Because, like, again, Trick did, like... If, like, you know what I mean? Like, if Trick was... Like, I'm not saying Trick shouldn't have gone for... Like, getting at the top, whatever, and all that. But, like, if he was, like, you know, like, he kind of, like, in a way, like, I, I don't think he purposely did it, but, like, he was doing it in a way where he's getting carried up with the hype and thinking that, like, okay, my friend wants to see me now at the top. And even though he kind of did, like, you know, try to go for a shot over what, you know, like, you know, like, the like, because, again, Trick, like, Mello already had the agreement of what they're going to do, but Trick wanted to aspire to, you know, not be held down, basically. So you can see both their points, in my personal opinion, you know. You know, um, you know. And Melo's being insecure, not being the guy, and his friend becoming the guy that overtook him, and this, he had to he had to go, and he had to go for him, which shows you what power and fame and status can do to you, and you, and you don't know what trick would, would would do if he had. I got that power as well, right? But he did seem to genuinely support Melo, you know. I think that I think that Ilya, who seemed like an asshole to some extent through all this, was actually the one who was being more genuine and actually was right about Melo. And he didn't have to go about it the same way to try and uh, convince Trick, right, um, that Mello's a guy. Um, you know, he didn't go the same way that Mello did to fool Trick. So then Ilya just confirmed they're going to meet at Roadblock. He says he saw through Mello from day one. His jealousy consumed him. He pointed the finger at him. He says Mello is a coward for attacking Trick from behind. Um, from behind. Um, he says Mello is the lowest form of life, and he'll see him at Roadblock with one condition: show up next week and see him face to face. He tells Mello to come for the title because he's coming for something more important in your soul. I think if Mello does win the title, I really do think Ridge Holland will be one who's revealed to have been the one person to attack Trick. And Melo has paid Ridge to take out Ilya in that match. So if they do this reveal, I can see Ridge, in a way, feuding with Ilya in a personal way. Then you have Melo and Trick maybe for the title at Stand and Deliver, even if the feud doesn't need a title. They could just save Trick to cost Melo the match. 
or you know, Ridge says that when they spoke uh, again. So Ridge's again. See, this is what I know. He's he's feuding with Gallus right now, but I feel like this. It's it's such a, a like a, a filler feud that it feels like they're setting this in place, so you won't that, that that you won't see him being a part of this angle. Basically, you know, I mean, I can recognize the elements, but maybe I'm wrong. You know. He says to the interviewer when they spoke last, people saw a different side of him, but he still can't get the stench of Mr. Fortune off him. He says Gallus smashed his leg last month, and that's fine, but when he gets a chair in his hands, it becomes a weapon. He can't defend himself with other people attacking him. He's asking that, you know. He says this is the forum. Next week, he'll address the, uh, the universe and apologize for his actions, even if no one cares. So, like, so, so I mean, like, even though he's trying to set him up as a good guy, He's, you know what I mean, and he's in an uninteresting feud. It feels like a placeholder before he goes back to being a bad guy. He says the man with the chair is not the man um, he is in life. It just feels like a random feud with Gallus, and he keeps harping on being a good guy. It just feels like, um, it, it feels like this is what um, helps play into the pivot where he might play a pivotal part with this mellow stuff. I really do think he is the one who did the physical attack since he was at that NXT. And then he came back for this match. You know what I mean? I, I do think, you know, the family had a segment. Tony tells them to sit down. And uh, Adriana Rizzo says she gave everything she had. And Tony says it was a good showing. Stack says last week was on, on them and they'll get the titles back. And Tony says not, um, not now. He says uh, he lost track of the bigger picture and says they've been playing small ball between Chase U and OTM. Uh, they're the D'Angelo family, and this is good, and it's time he leads them into a new direction. No community vote, no feedback. They do it his way, and if they don't like it, too, too bad, basically. They need to inform the rest of the family. It's time for Tony to uh, now become the dawn of NXT. So maybe hitting in a singles run, maybe he does end up going for the NXT world title if they can... Uh, I don't know if they can sell it, but I keep thinking Ridge is going to be part of this thing. But if but if Melo doesn't win the title because Trick cost him a title some or some way, I could see them trying to push Tony for the title. And I know people won't think that's the best main event feud for Ilya for Stan Deliver, but I do believe either way, Trick and Melo are going to be the main event with the whether it's for the title or not. You know. Let me. I, I. I'm gonna go over this dynamite fucking thing in in like you know less you know it's not like gonna be as long as usual. Uh, I'll, I'll make this quick like I said before. Um, but uh, FTR and BCC had a really good tag match. And it was stuff that you'd expect with them: slugfest, submission, pinning, combo attempts. You know, good combo, deadlift, fucking shit. But they actually went to the time limit. Well, none of the people have whole titles. I guess it's a twenty minute time limit. But this was a really good match, man. You check it out if you get a chance. FDR and BCC had a promo backstage, and FDR challenged them to revolution. And then BCC were kind of trying to brawl with them still, kind of in a way. I was shocked they would do it at the pay-per-view because um, booking at times feel like they go from feud to feud in the span of two weeks. But it was not made official, but you can assume they'll have another match. It was it was a good match though. Claudio did deadlift both members of FTR for a backdrop at one point. I I I had to mention something you know of note that I that I can remember. You know, the match in general was impressive and people really did buy into some of the time limit finishers, especially when you have the right competitors and pace for the match. 
Especially when it's going back and forth. I, and I prefer this shit, this shit over double countouts or double DQ. I mean, double countouts feel better options sometimes because that can still be a heated um, environment. But time, the, the time limit stuff really always works, and it's one of the better tropes AEW has implemented. And I'm sure people will complain about that trope too, since we can't be positive about anything for you know AEW. The crowd was chanting five more minutes, so you know it worked. Um, Orange Cassidy met the minimal clearance that uh, he needed for the match, for uh, of all the grueling shit he's been through. So when the doctor lets him um, lets him know, he said that he's clear. He said, "Yeah, I'm 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 basically fucking clear." Like you know, in the, in the Orange Cassidy way, he had a match with Bennett. It was not as good as the Taven one, but this was still fucking good. Orange Cassidy attacked him on the ramp. He knocked out Taven um, with the punch. Eventually, Orange won, and it was a good match as well. But they attacked him. I think Roddy was there, but I, but it's been it's been like, like the past two days have like you know have felt like uh, between all the stuff that I'm uploading on TikTok and all that kind of shit, like it feels like you know I've I've, I've lost like you know like I, I haven't been focusing on on this stuff as much as I should have, but like they were gonna attack him, but Hager made the save, and I feel like if Wardlow does uh, turn babyface when his eyes are on the title because. The promo cut is one of the best, but maybe Hager replaces him as like the big man because I don't, uh, I don't think Hager is staying a babyface, and this feels like random to be paired with Orange Cassidy. But he came out with sunglasses. People assume MJF is coming back, and that's going to be the feud when he comes back for Wardlow at least. But I feel Wardlow aligned with Cole to get revenge on MJF and exile out of the company. And when he does get the world title, eventually that will not he will not bow down to Cole because he's not gonna repeat the same mistakes. While Cole probably use that use what MJF did to Warlow to have him in the group, and will expect Warlow to be loyal. And Warlow will will be you know basically be playing them this time maybe. People were mad that Warlow mentioned Punk, but it was going off of this history of people that he's almost destroyed and what damage he did. And the, and and so like and the, and the and the three big fucking ones that people who he kind of like you know did big things to are like you know Punk, which wasn't really a few, but it was a really you know a standout match for Warlow because he was dominating him. Um and MJF of course, and then the jo- and the Joe shit was you know and the Joe shit so that was like one of his main prominent feuds as well, right? Might not have been like the I mean they they had promise but they had a you know. But people were were mad they mentioned Cody when he's another company and why bring up bring him in a positive light. But this was to bring up you know um, um was to bring it out to put over the current talent. He's been pissed for a long time. He says two years ago he had thousands of thousand people chanting his name city after city in a in a in a manner that hasn't been heard of since um he's seen or heard of him in decades. He was the next big thing, but apparently the rocket on his back was put upside down. Because ever since he's been driven into the ground and screwed over and over again, you would think that the one true homegrown one day one AEW original megastar would have been the champion a long time ago. But somehow he never got a shot at the title and people ba- um, back there need to be fired and thrown in jail. And he goes, look at the people who have who have held it, you know. So he goes, so I mean, it's not like he was mentioning Punk for no reason. He's mentioned the people that he's the champion that 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 um have held it that he's faced basically. People are, again, wait, wait, 
Punks fans can, you know, always, uh, you know, get people to fucking, you know, uh, like, oh, let them make fun of whoever he fucking wants to. He made references all the times. When, uh, you know, someone like, you know, again, I don't, I, because I think these, both these companies are, are, you know, are always in cahoots together anyway. The whole entire industry is. I don't really give a fuck because it's going to lead to something in the, in the future eventually. It's just right now surrounded by discourse, but I don't mind making mention of this shit. There's a perfect excuse for it. You know, um, you know. Uh, so he goes, what, what does that, um, he goes, he goes the, the, um, who, who's held in the king of gods, so what does that make him become the best in the world and the real, ch- the real world champion? Um, he beat his ass like nobody has in his entire career. His body's still falling apart because of him. See, he, he tied that into it. Which brings him to his former, brings him to the former champ, the guy that's better than all of us. Well, guess what? He squashed him like an insect and beat him like no one ever has as well. Which brings him to the most dangerous man in the room, the king and current champion Samoa Joe. He choked us out and beat him too. Again, he asks, "What does that make him?" It sounds like the best in the world. Sounds like he's better than us, and we know it. It sounds like he's the most dangerous man in the room. He's the uncrowned king of AEW, and it's time that he starts eating like one because he's been starving and he's done. He's being done fed scraps. Uh, he's being being. He's done with being fed scraps. Sorry. Look at him. He's everything a world champion is supposed to be. And this ties into what he's been doing with the screen. Because when he says look at him, he's looking at the screen again and starts posing. So I guess they tied it into something. Like That's pretty fucking good, I guess. He's a bad SOB to ever lace a pair of boots. And there's no, uh, no one back there bigger, stronger, or faster. No one can stop him. Anyone wants to get in his way, this is, a lo- this is no longer about wrestling. It's, this is war, basically. This is probably the best promo he's ever cut to date. I know I'm doing I'm doing brief recap, but I had to get I had to do this one justice basically. But even though I still stuttered, um, you know, I assume that maybe Swerve wins, or you know, he and Hangman are feuding for the title, going to double or nothing. But Hangman had a personal reason for maybe not being part of the pay per view, but he because again he teased an injury in the match in the main event, but he might actually still work the show. So if he doesn't, and it's Swerve and Joe, then it could mean that Swerve is winning in the title. And then he loses to Hangman double or nothing because he gets screwed over. Or they'll have Joe retain. And then they pivot into into a feud with Wardlow and Joe. I mean, people will be pissed regardless if Swerve doesn't win. But the souls that could be that he wins at double or nothing. Or has it for double or nothing. Maybe lose it to Hangman because Hangman might go even further heel with the, you know, the Young Bucks. But if Joe keeps it and feuds with Wardlow... It might be a way to pivot to Cole having the title feud when he's recovered. Hangman was kind of being a heel to some extent in his backstage interview, and not in the match as much, because he was kind of he kind of like blamed RVD for not beating Swerve, which helped him climb the rankings. But RVD tries to make a weed joke, but Hangman doesn't have time because they need to uh, go for the match. I think this was try try hard for the weed joke because Hangman shut it down. But man, weed jokes are so fucking dated. But um, whatever. Unless they make it illegal again, then maybe we'll have some meaning again. But the main event was pretty fucking good. Hook was getting destroyed for most of the match, but it was cool. He was mixing it up. Hangman didn't play the heel. And this is, and the reactions were not that negative for him, from what I could tell. 
There's a portion of the match where Joe, Swerve, and Hangman kind of face off, but then Hangman fends them off, but Joe and Swerve were not, like, like, they weren't, like, it wasn't like they were not getting along during the match. They still kind of got along, but he did accidentally pump kick Joe when he missed Hangman, and Hangman put Swerve through a table from the, like, from bringing him down from the apron. And, but basically, Joe got the clutch on RVD, who could afford to take a loss. But it was a good match, you know. I'm confused of how it will go because of the discourse surrounding AEW. There's like there's more internet focus on Ice Cube's son, which I'll you know I'll get to when I do the discourse. Parker and Ruby were going on to, on their date, and then a nice car pulls up, and Ruby thinks that's her ride, but Parker said he got a lift ride. You know it was funny, but then Flair was in the SUV. He was disappointed that he's not in the thick of things during the Sting finale, and is upset about it. And then he basically knocks on the Bucks door, and they let him in. And so it's basically it's gonna set up um, him costing Sting the match, and I hope he's not joining the Bucks. I hope after maybe he helps them win, that they turn on him as well and they give him an EVP trigger maybe. Uh, Sting cut a really dope promo and tied it into his dad's death and to 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 his final match. One of the better promos he's probably cut. Darby talks about some photos, and they want to show the Bucks. So we got a photo of Sting and his sons. So remember them when he when this was taken, they were about the same age as the Bucks kids currently are right now. This is the only thing that matters in the end, family. And then, you know, we see Sting, he says, nail in the head. Family is all that matters. Strikes a nerve right now because in all those years he's been a wrestler. No one's ever messed with his flesh and blood. Lots uh, going on in his personal life. The attack, the Bucks, and seven days, days ago, another family member, his father, passed away. He was a hero to him. He taught him right. Makes him think of um, a lot about um, mortality. He's a thing that he was uh, invisible. Sometimes he he still feels like that, but time catches up with everyone. Truly, he's not invisible. One one thing he does now, everything has left in him. He's bringing it to revolution. They have a fight on their hands and a fight of their life. Really good fucking close. So the closer we're getting to this thing, it feels like this is going to be the main event of the show, essentially. But this is really fucking good. You can use death within creative ways and not, you know, be exploitative. Even when Christian does it, you know, for heat, we know that people can disarm this bullshit, especially if you win the title off Christian, you know what I mean? It'll be him and Garcia for the title. And I'm going to bet Garcia maybe wins it and then Nick Wayne feuds with it because Christian will still be involved by having somebody who's close to him going for the title. Even if he doesn't hold it. It's like for a better part of the last year or so, Christian has somehow been part of the TNT title picture and helped restore the feeling of the fucking title. Probably the most it's ever been restored as far as, like, pushing storylines forward instead of just doing title defense. Like, there's been strong champions with good defenses and all that, but I think Christian has taken to another level with the the storyline elements of his character. You know, uh, Tony brings up the match he had with Adam, with Copeland, and he tells uh, tells everyone Copeland's not able to compete, so Garcia will be getting the title shot against uh, Christian uh, Cage at the pay-per-view. And then Garcia says a lot of the time he feels like he doesn't deserve it, so the chance that he, so the chance that are uh, that are being chanted right now mean a lot to him. He feels destined for great things. But a few months ago, he was at his lowest, and he started to lose the confidence and feeling. He knew going through all this, um, in all that three seconds is all he needed. And at the end of the Continental Classic, he goes, um, he goes like you know, uh, you know, he gets like you know, fully like in babyface mode here, and saying that um, we, uh, we, 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 uh, you know, 
basically thanked him for restoring the feeling, essentially. And then as for, you know, uh, Cole... Uh, Copeland, I mean, no one knows what the um, what that how that match would have ended last week, but he's confident that if it went any longer, um, Copeland would have ta- tapped out essentially. He goes, we'll, he goes, you'll see Adam. He says he'll see Adam Copeland again the next time he will be holding the TNT title. He says Copeland will not have a chance at this title. Um, sorry, uh, Christian comes out, and he says uh, that um, he, Copeland will never have a shot at the title ever again, and then he insults you know Tulsa, Oklahoma. So what happened to Garcia last week was just a byproduct of him being in the ring with Copeland, but now he stands the number one contender. And as much as he wants to go one-on-one, he doesn't think it should happen at Revolution. It's not that Daniel Garcia isn't worthy. It's that he doesn't think Daniel Garcia is ready. Says, uh, Christian says that uh, Garcia is easily distracted. He likes the gyrations just fine, but they're distractions. He's pandering to the fans. He want uh, Cage wants uh, you know Christian Cage wants to leave every night as the most dominant champion of all time. He knows something that we don't know that Daniel Garcia had a pretty dark childhood, and he he goes and then basically brings that up right. He goes, you didn't have many happy memories. Does Garcia know a Jackie Garcia that lives in Buffalo, New York, married to David Garcia? He goes David Garcia, Daniel's father. Daniel, you can't call him Daniel. And his father is dead, right? And, you know, because Garcia's father wasn't so great, was he? He was a piece of crap loser, alcoholic who lost his life to the bottle. Unlike him, Christian, uh, C- Christian, uh, you know, doesn't want to hurt him. He wants to help him. He wants to make sure that Garcia realizes his full potential. And at Revolution, he doesn't want him to be his opponent. He wants him to be, he wants him to be his son, essentially. You want Garcia to be a son. And then Garcia says if Christian ever opened his mouth about his beautiful mother again. But since he knows so much about his dead father, how about Christian come in the ring and put a, and he'll put him to the gra- put him in the in the ground right next to him. And then Christian basically sends Nick and Killswitch to get him. And basically Garcia fends off Nick before Killswitch could get in. Menard shows up and hits him with a chair. So I hope Garcia actually wins the title. And maybe Copeland helps to counter the interfering. And it helps Garcia win the title. And Copeland and Christian have the one last match. And it'll be purely a grudge match. And it takes place in Toronto maybe. They could let Christian retain, but Copeland and Christian doesn't need a title. I mean, as long as they got a title match out of their feud, I'm happy with it. But it doesn't mean it has to continue with that. You know what I mean? But this is a really good segment. I like how Christian's looking for, for more people to indoctrinate. It's not going to work on Garcia because he's already had Jericho use and abuse his loyalty, which should have been done better than the finale of that. But this would be uh, the next best thing for Garcia to beat Christian for the title. And then you could have Garcia and Nick feud for it for the next several months or something like that. I hope Marnard doesn't turn on him or something like that, but that, that would not surprise me. Uh, Tony Storm beat some jobber in a quick, she just used an arm bar to win. Then Deanna had a match with Madison Rain, which got more time, but the big talk was when Deanna went for a flatliner, she dumped Madison on her head. And she was checked on, but then Deanna does, uh, Deanna does a ankle lock right away to kind of win the match, so. She had a brawl with Tony, and after she dropped Mariah, Tony got the ankle, lo- um, the ankle lock on her. So another, you know, initiation for the systemic injuries, in my personal opinion, and people are pretending to be mad about the replay. I mean, because I saw people on Reddit fucking bitching about why they're showing replays. But I mean, if, 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 if this shit's planned out, they might as well get some usage out of it. But I prefer, you know, systemic injuries not happening, you know. But we can't officially prove that, so, you know. 
the Bullet Club and Acclaim had a segment to basically say Billy can be a collision cowboy with them. But it'll be Switchblade said it'll be him, Colton, and Billy in a trios match. I don't know. Nothing much else to this. Callus hypes up Osprey after seeing the video package for him. Basically, he puts over the match with Takasta. Hobbs will be in a match with other hosses for some match called the Meat Madness match. I don't know. I, I heard, um, you know, on post wrestling, Wei Ting said that, you know, uh, that the it sounds like an adver- advertisement for a Subway sponsored match, essentially. And I, I, that's what I thought it was. That's what I thought it was going to lead to. Also, also, to tell you the truth, I'm like, oh, they're going to take. But it's just it's going to be trained for the audience to just chant meat. I hope they at least bring Sean Stasiak and I mean maybe to be a referee or something like that. I don't know. That'd be too, too much of a deep cut. You know what I mean? I don't. But whatever. So yeah. So I mean, they got some good matches set up, and I'm you know I'm pretty excited for the pay per view. I guess with how they built some of these matches. Let me go to the TNA recap. Right now, the pay-per-view is happening as we speak, you know. I'm probably going to have to watch the highlights on YouTube. I know Ali and Saban are actually main eventing the show, which I guess I guess Ali's using his political power to uh, get him a main event spot, which is good for the character. So Saban beat Skyler in a pretty good match. They cut a promo on Saban and kind of being pro-Ali. Ali had an ad from, uh, after the match. Basically doing a political attack on his opponent and not being able to handle the pressure. And there needs to be a chance for the division, base, a change for the division. I, go, I hope Ollie wins this because, you know, as I'm recording this, it's match is probably happening. But I don't think he can lose the match if this is supposed to be this big debut. But you're putting in the main event, man. And, you know, it feels like Scholar and Hawks will be as heavy as in the group. Saban said he was excited for Ali to be an impact, but he doesn't like the uh, the the ads he's doing, and now he's gonna he, he's good and he's um you know and now he's gonna um show him why he's been a he's been a ten, ten times X division champion. Uh, Gotch, uh, Simon Gotch beat some jobber, and then he didn't let the submission go. And Josh, who's on commentary, got into the ring and they went face to face. The build has been pretty fucking good. The interview segment was really really good touch. So I hope this match delivers. Grizzly Young Vets cut a promo about winning the titles. And I would not mind if they do win. You know what I mean? They have built up a pretty good, decent series. I think you should carry the momentum. You know, um, you know, Ace and Bay are already made, so they, I mean, they, 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 they've been killing it. You can give Grizzly Young Vets the thing, whatever. Um, Macklin Beach. I, I mean, I'll notice that there'll be a trend of, like, now XWE guys kind of getting, you know, like, titles right away and shit. But, I mean, we'll see. Macklin beat Trent in a really good match, and Mike Bailey tried to get involved because the Rascals were interfering, and they... Uh, you know, the, the baby face that cut a promo after the challenge of Rascals on the pre-show at No Surrender. Giselle was approached by Gail about going on her own, which made her happy, but thought it was unprofessional the way she did it. And I never understand these considering all the things that go on in the industry within storylines, but, I mean, like, like what Giselle did was pretty inoffensive. The, to do, I mean, I'm not saying it was a good thing that she did as like as a, as a human being, like just turn on your friends like that. But I, I, I mean, it was a more, it was like a more of an inoffensive way than I've seen other people do it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, she, she basically Giselle says she needs anyone's help, and she doesn't care for the advice. Basically, EY beat Big Damo, you know, the former Killian Dame or Killian Dane, who was brought out by Kaz, like it was from the from the past. 
EY, I don't know if he's staying or not, or, or you know, but it seems like a one-off. But EY cut a short promo. I wanted a longer one, but it was basically to hype up what he'll do to Kaz in the match. But I was hoping for some kind of longer promo to explain this a bit better because it feels like like I'm I'm down with Kaz and all this being pushed and this feud happening. But I wish like the they, they got television time to like basically maybe like hint at another uh, a tag run or something like that before this happened. But like I I kind of wanted to hear what EY would cut in a long promo form, you know. Maybe he doesn't know how to be serious in a good guy way, maybe. I don't know, but whatever. Tasha cut a promo on Zaya Brookside about another match, whatever, and all that. Jody and Danny Luna did a promo to hype up the triple threat, basically for her tag titles. Ash by Elegance beat some jobber. The guy George did the dope intro for her. And, you know, and basically tells everyone when she left the building, basically. It still feels like Tony, Tony Storm's gimmick, but, you know, George is more of a Mike man in this, I guess. A backstage promo with the system. Um, earlier on, Moose says that Shelly will um uh, will give you give Shelly the beating of his lifetime. Says it's a no DQ match, and we know how this works. And then Santino Morella comes in and says no DQ rules are for the participants in the ring. If anyone of the system get involved, Moose will lose the title. And the system, uh, um, uh, the system then beat um, um, beat you know Kevin Knight, Kushida, and say um and Alex Shelly. When Moose speared Knight for the win, and Shelly put him in the, in the Border City, you know, the Border City move, and Myers pulled Moose out. It was a decent go-home show for the TNF reviews, or always kind of the tail end of the tapings. But it feels like everything has been set by, 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 by them, but not, but not too much, um, you know, of note happened in this episode, really. I can't say this feud is uh, lighting my world on fire. You know what I mean? So I'm guessing, like, you know, I guess, like, you know, since... I, I guess, like, you know, they, 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 they feel that way, too, because... Like, you know, again, like, I guess it's, like, basically a way for maybe Ali to kind of feel with them because, like, these guys are, like, untrusty guys and they've done untrustworthy things throughout their fucking TNA career. And they're, like, they're, like, they're, like, you know, like, they're, you know, they're, like, you know, connected by circumstance, I guess. But, you know what I mean? But, like, I'm not saying, I'm not sensing a big feeling for the stable. That's why I'm saying the stable maybe should have been formed. Like, maybe Moose should have won the title with the stable being formed on the build-up there, basically. And instead of just having Moose win and having the stable, because it just feels like the... You know what I mean? I, I don't know if Shelly's going to win the match, whatever. I watched uh, the first night of New Beginning, basically, uh, um, in Sapporo. Uh, I mean, there's the two main matches that, you know, a lot of them, some of them just feel like a lot of, a lot of it was boring, but like, tor- tor- no, not, not too boring, but it, was like, it didn't feel like anything too hype. But, uh, you know, Tor, 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 Yanu, sorry, I'm fucking, you know, and Tomoya defeated Shoma, Shoma Kato and, uh, Hamna. Zack Sabre, uh, defeated Yuji Nagai. That was pretty decent. House of Torture, y- Yushinobu, uh, Takahashi and Narita beat Bolton, Oleg, Makabe, and Taguchi. Uh, again, this is Okada's, like, last match, I guess. I don't know if this is the last match, but him, Yo, him, Yo, Ishii, and Yoshihashi beat. Um, the the um the United Empire, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, Akira, and Cal. I'm disappointed that that he didn't have a big he didn't have a big match to put someone over. I don't I, I don't know. Uh, Lij Naito, Shingo Takagi, T- um, Takahashi, Suji, Bushi. They beat just five guys. You see, like this is always repeating, man. Um, the for the I, IWB, IWGP Women's Championship, uh, uh, Mayo uh, Awatani uh, defeated um, Mina Sh- Shirakawa. It was a pre- that was a pretty good match. 
um, show B. L. Desperado, um, and kind of um, Yoshinobu Kanemaru fucking you know uh, uh, helped him win basically. You know what I mean? And him and El Desperado were tag partners, so. Um, Evil beat Shota Umino in a never open weight champion. This is like decent. Um, Matt Riddle versus Ter- um Hiroshi Hiro- Tanahashi was a pretty decent match. Uh, Riddle won the TV championship, so this is gonna be discourse because you know of the problematic shit that Riddle's into. But that's how you get pushed in the industry now. And then the um, the main event was uh, Nick Nemeth. I was pissed about this beating David Finley. It says, I, 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 you know, it's like, it's like, it's every WWE week I'm going to go to every promotion, just win titles, when, like, unless Finley is leaving, and, or Gabe Kidd is going to, like, because Gabe Kidd has been kind of, like, like, becoming more of a focus of a character that he feels like he is, like, could be the leader of the Bullet Club War Dogs, essentially. So I don't know if Finley is going to join uh, his brother and maybe go to WWE. I don't know what the contract status is up with him. Like, you know, something, I don't know. But, I mean, if Dolph Ziggler's going to be a part of New Japan matches, he needs something better than a fucking zigzag. I'm, I'm sorry. Do it as a transitional fucking move. Get something more definitive, man. I, I really... Dude, you've got to do what Moxley and Brian did, man. you got to have multiple fucking finishers. Do a tr- like, I'd rather you do a chicken wing or a chokehold or, or a sleeper and all that kind of shit over the fucking... I, I hate the zig- I'm just saying, I hate... Pay dirt and fucking zigs. I hate moves where you gotta jump up to bring someone who's already standing down. I just think it's stupid. I've always I, it looks impressive depending on who he's doing it to. If he does it to bigger fucking people, it looks more impressive. But I mean, I just oh, it's such a WWE style fucking finish that I fucking you need to have something better to be uh, in New Japan. In my in my personal opinion, I just I just hate that fucking move. And I got the recaps out of the way. Now I'm going to have to go do the fucking discourse now. Uh, write down the discourse. And hopefully I'll come back later in the night to fucking finish all this off. But I had to get the recaps out of the way. I have to do. I have to go watch SmackDown Rampage as well to do quick shit of that as well. So we'll see what happens. Okay, um, I was 516. I think the pay-per-view is already starting. I'll try to watch some of it, but I'm in a hurry to catch up, so... I'm just gonna do the recaps and then I'll come but when I do the chamber um and the fucking uh you know maybe collision as well when I come back for that I'll do the other discourse because I gotta write that I just wanna get the recaps out of the fucking way. Then it becomes more of a fucking show. Uh, more of a chore to fucking uh get through it. So they showed a video package for the women's uh, chamber. Um, it was decent. You got bits of exclusive promos in them. And Liv faced off with Tiffany. This was probably one of, like, you know, Liv's better matches she's had. Tiffany is so good at this, too. And, you know, for someone that just, you know, got started, they probably gave her a nice Illuminati microchip or some shit. I mean, she did get good character work and wanting to leave the mat- mid-match. Like the Alabama slam transition she does is always impressive. She slapped Bianca, who was at ringside watching, and then he got Bianca to get on the apron. And Liv had Tiffany in a um, you know pinning combo, but then it was sent into uh, Bianca, and then Tiffany got a roll up for the win. Drew had a you know, that's all really was you know what I mean. You 
I thought maybe Liv would be going, you know, a little bit, um, she was so focused more on, you know, Tiffany. I think that's actually going to be the feud, essentially, I guess. Drew had a promo about where his head is at. His entire career and moment has led to the, um, to twists and turns, uh, to this just twists and turns. He refers to wrestling as his most dysfunctional relationship that, that he, that needs him like he needs it. If he loses on this show, Chamber and and it was on, on you know the main event, and Chamber and then at Mania, then it's all for nothing, and his career is as useless as CM Punk's return to WWE. And then Lashley shows up and laughs about the hype, about Punk, and he loves the memes and the shirts he has. And says it's as comical as WrestleMania thirty seven when he made him pass out and beat him. It's just so random because the clause like. I had to think about it for a second about WrestleMania 37. I thought it was a pandemic. One, whatever, right? But I mean, it is what it is. I don't know. This is like the most, like, you know, I, I'd be more interested in a Lashley and Drew feud again over what Lashley is doing with Cross, but. I mean, I mean, this would be, um, you know, and then, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, he just made light of that. It would play later on when Lashley got beat up by, uh, got beat up in the AOP versus Profits match, because later Drew would uh, mock him for being hurt, so AOP and Profit had a match, and it was pretty good. I wish AOP were a part of their, uh, on their own with Ellering, and I know they had to win, but I feel like the Profits feel empty with this um, feud, and they, I think they've lost more momentum, um, Prior to what they, you know, they lost more momentum being with, with Lashley. When we were all clamoring for more momentum for these fucking guys. And it feels, I don't know. It, it just, it's hard to be a dominant stable on SmackDown when the bloodline, you know, basically runs shit. You know. Anyways, I don't know. I'm just... They had a heat on Montez for a huge portion of the match. It picked up toward the latter half. Um, Lashley took out Cross, and then when uh, Scarlet and uh, B Fab were kind of tussling around, and then but Cross got him with the chair. You know, with the chair, and then you send. Uh, um, yeah, and then you so you kind of have it out for Lashley not being a hundred percent before the match, I guess. But you get involved in the main event saying one of the chamber competitors had a brawl. So Drew approves Lashley in the trainer's room. Says he'll pray for him. Which is funny. Logan was sitting on commentary for the main event between Drew and Knight. Kay also joined the commentary, which was pretty funny. Because him and Logan were going at it. He didn't understand the refer references that Logan was making. Because he doesn't uh, live on YouTube. Uh, Knight and Drew had some decent shit going on. But I always kind of dread tape SmackDown show because it feels like the main event or the, the main, like the main, some of the main stuff is like the bare minimum is kind of being done, but there's some good matches, you know what I mean? Knight talks shit to Logan, Drew sent Knight into KO, he, and he attacks Drew, and Drew threw him into Logan, the ref throws the match out, it gives, uh, he gives Knight a spear, KO, and gives Logan a stunner. Then Lashley spares KO, and Drew gives Lashley the Claymore, and Orton pops up out of nowhere and gives Drew an RKO. 
these are the typical trope for these kind of multi-man matches after pay-per-views, you know what I mean? They've been doing online shit with Ashanti, the Adonis, and Cedric. And they're doing, like, the type of partnership where it's kind of a... They roast each other, kind of like a buddy cop movie. And these guys make it work. I don't know how successful this, this team will be because, as a Cedric fan, it's hard to get invested when, you know, they fucked up his pushes up pushes constantly. But Ashanti hates what he has on, so his pants look like they got into a fight with a cat. And he goes an extra, got some babies are us, and then he came up with the coverall. Then Cedric came with the coverall shit, but he uh, had the straps down and whatever. He came out in a crop top and a leather pants, and that's what uh, Shanti liked. As someone who knows shit about fashion, you know what I mean? This looked like, you know, I don't know, this looked like that, that impressive. Cedric said he looked like Will I Ain't. Like, this was not one of the good ones that they've done been doing. You know what I mean? Like, they should have showed the ones that, that you know, they could have showed some of the ones from, um, the some of the other ones they did for like, online, ex- online exclusives, other than, you know, the, this one right here. Because the ones that they did for the online exclusives were actually pretty decent. It is what it is. Um, they did show foot, the footage of Jimmy with um, Roman Reigns bragging about costing him the title. And he wishes Roman could have seen it. And seen the reaction. Roman asked who sent him to SmackDown. And then I, at this point I wondered if uh, it's a kayfabe reality show. A plausible deniability. Because he's the one who is sending Jimmy. But Jimmy says he triple checked when Heyman called the play. And he ran with it. More football analysis, basic, uh, analogies basically. Then Roman did admit for the play to be called once he started, uh, once he started, once I started laughing. About Jimmy throwing Heyman under the bus essentially. You stooge the guy. So he did admit it, but for a moment, I thought he was uh, not, uh, you know, going to admit it. So this was recorded before Raw happened, obviously, but I'm guessing they didn't show this for the live crowd when this was being taped. It wouldn't make any sense to, right? You know, um, Heyman lets Roman know that Waller is in the building, and then Roman tells him to bring it to him, bring it, to, bring him to him. And Heyman then interrupts Logan and Waller in theory, where they're all going over how good, like, there's like, like commenting how good looking they are, which KO gives them shit for and asks why Theory is now wearing a shirt, no, wearing no shirt. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, it's just a random segment, and, and basically Logan asks why they just jump him. And then Heyman then says he doesn't like KO, and he tells Waller that uh, the tribal chief wants to see him. Again, this is more like sports entertainment, but like Heyman, like in storyline, Heyman had to find like a sports entertainment reason why to be on screen. But then he got serious about you know I I, I I'm going to analyze the sports entertainment elements within the storylines because they're making it obvious now with how they play it out. Uh, and then uh, what happened here? And then Roman tells Waller he wants him to hear something, but it's only for his, his, his ears only. And that would imply something will happen in the chamber. The Rock said he's not going to be there, but I feel like he will be there. As well as Roman, because I imagine something will be set up for this shit. But I'm sure uh, whatever Waller will do will be at Roman's behest. By the way, when he said it's for your ears only, I thought everyone was going to leave the room, and then they're going to still show the conversation. Or whatever, but I guess like his ears only was like a was a you know kind of like a a wink to the fucking you know reality show fucking you know cameraman to get the fuck out of the room essentially. 
But they still wanted you to know that, you know, it was... Whatever. I'm sure, yeah, so anyways, uh, anyways, Braun had a good match with Dante Chen. It was, uh, no, I mean, it was a short squash match. It was a good showcase. It feels like I was watching, you know, a 2021 episode of NXT 2.0 when it first started. But he was embracing his dad's mannerisms. You know, he got people cheering him. He caught Dante Springboard into a power slam and into Spirit of Wind, basically. It's pretty good. Just when they had a promo about Dunn and Bate, Ballot says they don't stand a chance, and Priest says they'll all they gotta do is pick the bones once Dom and JD are done with them. I assume that it would have had Truth as a partner since they said it last week. You know what I mean? Because Truth said he was gonna do it, but I guess you know. I thought he was gonna anger them more by saying he was gonna be in the tag match, but you know whatever. It was a pretty good match. It was really dope. I liked how Dunn and tried to break Dom's fingers. JD had a good chemistry with these guys since they. He probably faced all these guys in the UK. Um, there was a part where Bate did a deadlift suplex to intercept the three amigos. I love the rebound lariat with the German suplex combo that Dunn and Bate do. The devil inside was countered into a sunset flip. Dunn kept slapping him into counter headbutts. He landed on his feet from a uh, you know a German, but JD got him with a standing Spanish fly. The sequence was good. They did a double uh, t- um, Tyler driver for the win. Balor and Priest come down. Bate knocks Balor off the apron. Priest grabbed both of them by their throat, and he still got knocked off the apron. And when Dunn and Bate slide, um, you know, um, they slide out as Balor and Priest run in, and you know they knock down, and uh, the baby faces knock down JD and Dom as they're running up the ramp. Basically, the good match we saw uh, Del Toro and Wild, and how they need to take care of the um, LDF, basically the Galdo Fantasma. And then Lopez shows up and says she's been uh, watching them. And it's kind of sad. She says the LW is basically dead and asks where Ray is and questions what it's, what being with him has done for their careers. They'll keep losing. It's about their choices. And maybe their loyalty will be better. And then Gar- uh, Garza and Berto, uh, they're calling him Berto now, attack him. And uh, I was really hoping for these guys to join back in with the LDF and have a massive fucking, you know, overall takeover. You know, Santos said he, um, they betrayed him, and this is the price to pay. And then basically, the, the, Carlito and, uh, you know, and, uh, and Selena can't check on them. Santos said, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is, between, with Santos, they're going to have a street fight with, with uh, Carlito in the next episode. And then we saw Dakota, um, you know, be, um, being carried to the trainer's room because she had been attacked, apparently. And just let Bailey drop her guard down and kind of and kind of agree to a tag match for the next episode, and she feels it's her fault. And I hope if they're going to turn to Dakota heel, I feel it'll be more impactful if they did it at Mania. But I think they're gonna do it like on the next episode. But they could carry this out until they get to Mania. She said that Bailey, she has Bailey's back, and she vows to make the you know the Kabuki Warriors and EO pay. I will see what happened. I, I think the sting will um be uh, you know like the sting will like you know like you know of the of the turn will last longer if you have Dakota make the statement at Mania. So then coming out of Mania you'll be like okay what's gonna be this fucking promo? Because again after Mania is done you have like new direction for people and this would be a good way for you know. But I know they're gonna you know again if I make a suggestion they're gonna fucking you know do the same shit. And it was Rampage, there was a triple, triple threat trios match with the Brian Keith, Commander, Penta versus Andretti, Top Flight. 
Um, and then and Seidel attacked. Seidel attacked. Uh, attacked. Tagged with Private Party. It was a good match of what you would expect, and but this is what I was worried about with Brian Keith being in a random team, but won't have any like him being in random team won't have any longevity. You know what I mean? If they're gonna keep doing, you keep doing. It. I don't know if there's an intention with this team to be constantly do because again, Penta's like tagging with everybody, Commander tags with everybody. I don't know. I love how you ran back and forth against the fucking ropes through the chops until you drop Seidel. I, I feel I feel like the Seidel and Prime Party team probably won't last long unless. He's going to turn heel as well. It just seems like a random thing. Penta and Quinn did the taunt shit. And I was always chasing. This is, it's one of the tropes that I get annoyed with in, in AEW. Top Flight was the only only actual team, uh, um, you know, that I was actually invested into. Prior Party should be solely in the tag division. Um, you know, in my personal opinion. Commander did a tight rope run into a springboard rebound into an arm drag kind of. I can appreciate the match, but the match... Just for the sake of the match, it was not really impressing me in that regard. But they did some really dope shit. It just felt like, you know, the same high-flying effects at times. I did like when Commander hits head side down on the surfboard on the apron and Dante dives over them onto the pile. That was one of the things that stuck out. Seidel did a Meteora on Commander on the apron. And immediately Penta gets a Fear Factor on the apron to Seidel. And then a bunch of guys did high-flying moves onto piles outside when... Um, uh, when, 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 uh, Prior Party did try to do gin and juice, Penta, when he got runnered off the, uh, off the top rope, right, where he was supposed to get hit with the, the other portion of the move, he ended up doing a destroyer on the person who was going to do the second part, you know, more high-flying shit, Penta got a pin, pin on, uh, on, uh, um, on Seidel with the fear factor, I imagine Prime Party will go further down the heel road because of this. But they're hinting that winners could get a title shot at some point. Soraya cut a promo about not giving a shit about Ruby Soho and has other things on her mind. And she screams and hardly tries to calm her down. Soraya introduces her brother and brings him in and he just stares angrily. And Soraya said she would have hooked him up because um, he's one of the best bachelors in, you know, um, in, in their country. She puts over. She puts it over, and then Harley says that he is hot, whatever. And then, uh, and then, and then when she says the whole family is, Soraya's like, "What?" And she starts spraying her with something, and says she needs to be fixed. But I mean, people were getting mad that someone related to Soraya got hired. Like these shitheads online don't advocate. Like, like you actually like these shitheads online don't advocate for their fucking friends or their people to get hired. Like, like whenever anyone mentions a nepo fucking hire. It becomes a fucking problem, you know what I mean? Ruby and Parker had a promo, and Renee asked about the date, and it went uh, good. And they were happy, but they were weirded out by Soraya wanting to hook, up, hook, him, hook her up with uh, the brother. And then Soraya gets a bit serious while addressing the actual feud to set the match. She says, like, oh, Soraya, you said you didn't care about me. Here's the reality of the situation. For the last year, you told me that I needed you, but you needed me. You're sad, and you're unhappy without me. And then she goes, and then she basically said, when you start talking about um Parker, they have a problem, and she needed space from you know she needed space from Soraya, and in that space she thinks she found something real in uh, Parker, and then she goes, why don't we invite everyone out next week and bring the crew, and we'll sh- we'll shove this um, down your throat essentially, it was decent. It should be a good match. They did refer to um Soraya's brother as a poor man's Tom Hardy. He actually looks like if Chet Hanks played Tom Hardy. 
Um, Bucks beat some jobbers. One of them name was Cappuccino Jones. Other Taz was, again, I, I, I kind of missed Apparently Taz came with the creator names, I guess. I don't know. They were wrestling in suits and a vest, uh, the Bucks were. It was longer than it needed to be, but it felt like one of those old-school matches where you get the heel tactics and characters over. They called, uh, you know, they called the Meltzer driver, the, the, the Tony Khan driver, the TK driver. Bucks then give, um, you know, uh, the referee shit for addressing him as Nick, and he'll get a fine next time. And they invite Tony Schiavone back in the ring. They make excuses for why they shoved Tony. Say he tripped on their shoe. They got an Amazon gift card. And they're sorry about it. They're also sorry they can't get the blood stains from the suits. And they're not going to be... And they're not gonna, And then when Tony asked about rescinding, rescinding the uh, fine, they said no, they're not going to rescind it. Um, and then there are a couple of things that they're not going to worry about. The first thing is going to be being the hell out of Darby at Revolution for the for the trash he talked about, um, you know, talked about them about and publicly in t- on television, and the thing the thing is uh, they're going to um, be least apologetic about all. Um, well, the thing that they'll be least apologetic for is will be when uh, they're going to, um, when they, when they take Sting and they pin him on the mat. And they say goodbye and say farewell to one of the most legendary careers of all time, and then they can call and they can call Bucks Father Time because, like Father Time, they're undefeated, and just like Father Time, they're coming for they're coming for them. It's a decent angle. I know people online are gonna shit on this because they have to pretend to be anti AW, and because of the gift card was something Punk did. Which is was done on purpose as news because it was supposed to eventually, it'll be used to mock him. You know what I mean? And act like Punk is not there for any of this. Like he won't go back at some point. I'm liking the angle um, as as they get near to um, to the interview. I still like the mockery of Tony Khan's pre tape uh, pre um, pre pre television hype. Basically, you know what I mean. Sammy's unhappy with uh, with Hobbs' mom missing missing uh you know messing uh, with his uh like you know fucking fucking over after his match with Jeff Hardy and puts over it being a dream, <coughs> a dream match, and then he puts over Hobbs and says uh you know Hobbs is a big man and he doesn't need Callus. In the in the meantime, you know Sammy wants Hobbs to come out as he's done uh, talking, and he basically wants to fight. Then Callus calls out and makes fun of him for reproducing. And then basically he just calls him a weak, pathetic little cuck. And then Hobbs attacks and the back and forth and Sammy uses the chair against Hobbs. Hobbs eventually gets a bunch of spine busters in the world's strongest slam. Pretty decent segment. I'm, I don't know if Sammy's going to be part of that meat madness, but I mean, it just seems like it's going to be for, um, for... I don't know. It just seems, I thought like that would be the natural thing to do is put Hobbs against Sammy Guevara for the pay-per-view at least. Um, you know. I'm wondering if Hob eventually does leave the group, you know, because again, like it's like he'll be, you know, outshined by his, uh, by his manager essentially. Anyways, Sky wants revenge on Stokely and and Willow Willow and Stad and Julia sure that there'll be three caskets and they'll be done soon. Julia wants people to step up and fight her. I don't know if that was for specifically the woman she addressed or anyone on the roster for the step-up line, I guess. I don't know. Anna and Mariah had a pretty good match. It was going back and forth with some overhand chops. Anna did a J-kick as Mariah was on the top. And then the snapmare 
Mariah got a really solid knee strike. Anna has a queen slayer locked in, but Mariah backs her into the corner. She does a Trish uh, headstand move, the strat- I think the satisfaction. Um, but she misses a hip attack, and then Anna gets a backbreaker, and then Mar- 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 Mariah, what I put here, Maria, bites Anna to get out of the queen slayer, and then she gets a May Day for the win. Nothing much else to, to this, but, um, you know, they did some pretty, uh, they did some good shit in here, man. It was, uh, nice to see a match establish Mariah more by doing, you know, by doing these matches, but she also tried to pay homage, uh, homage to, uh, Tony, Tony Storm's hip attack by missing it. It'll probably be brought up by, you know, Tony, maybe. I don't know if they'll even care about it, but. Hager and Roddy was the main event. It was a pretty good match. The mat, some, some mascot with the sports team was Mocking Taven and Bennett. And again, you think it's somebody under there, but it was Orange Cassidy came out. He threw Hager's bucket hat in the ring and he attacked Bennett and Taven. Hager wears a hat and gets a bunch of momentum of wearing the hat. It goes on for a bit, but, uh, but, you know, and Hager gets a doctor bomb and then he tries for the ankle lock. You know, Bennett and Taven put Orange Cassidy in the ring from beating him. Beating him up, and then Roddy capitalized off that with a leaping knee for the win. It was a good match. They hinted that if uh, or if uh, Jake Hager, you know, beat Roddy, he would be um, taking Roddy's spot, maybe because like he'd climb up the rankings. I guess I don't know. Anyways, that's all I have. I know I got a lot of discourse, some wrestling discourse later on to talk about on the next podcast, but I want to get this fucking shit done. Peace out.